Happy New Year, and welcome to this special edition of the X-Men Task Podcast. My name is Willie Simpson. My name is Sonia Rappaport. And today, Sonia, we are still in Season 3, the 16th episode, the 42nd overall, the Dark Phoenix Saga Part 4, the Fate of the Phoenix, the end of the Dark Phoenix Saga. Why is this a special edition? Uh, well, <laughs> because we're recording this a little later than we normally do. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and it's the first one of the new year. Oh, uh, okay. okay. So aren't we all excited? Yeah. Yes, we are very excited. Um, I just uh, want to also thank all our fans. They sent us a lot of nice uh, New Year's messages uh, last night. That was very sweet of them to do. So um, we're very excited to do this uh, on our last day off before we go back to work. Boo. Before we trudge back to work. Boo. (laughs) Yes. Um, So this is the last entry in the Dark Phoenix saga. Um, This is actually a really fun and exciting episode. Yeah. You know, I hadn't really remembered the specifics of the animated series episode here. I mean, I, I obviously remember it, but and I also remember the comic books. So it's all, like, twisted up in my mind. Mm-hmm. But to see it again here is a pretty satisfying conclusion, I thought. Yeah, a large portion is dedicated to a super fight we'll get into. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting, the like, animation. The emotions are yeah. really cranked up to ten. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a satisfying completion of a, a really cool story arc. So. Yeah. All right, so let's dive right into it. Um... So it opens where, well, where we left off last time was Jean and the professor, or the Phoenix and the professor, had some kind of psychic battle, and the professor did his patented tying up uh, the, a subconscious entity in a concrete wall maneuver yep. that he's so prone to do. Like, where he goes into your mind, if there's, like, some split personality, he just covers it in, like, some kind of, like, gooey uh, rock paste and so that's where we left off last time. Concrete, so, right? Well, yeah, but it's like, it's always like... You mental know, concrete. Yeah, mental concrete that's like, he's really smooshing around. Uh-huh. It's like superheated. Um, so that's where we left off the last one. It seemed that Gene was saved, that they restored Gene as the dominant personality, although Dark Phoenix was still locked up in there somewhere. Um, but like, and right at the last minute, though, the Shi'ar arrive and they're like, no, we must destroy Gene Grey. To make sure the Phoenix never does this again. Right. And so that's was the cliffhanger. And now we are in this episode. And uh, right away, Professor X reads Lalandra's mind and discovers an ancient Shi'ar loophole <laughs> that allows him to maybe save Jean's life. Mm-hmm. And that loophole is a challenge to a duel of honor. He says it in some, like, wonky, fake Shi'ar language. I didn't bother writing down, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. He says, Karin Alamar, or something. Something. Yeah, something stupid like that. Um, But anyway, um, and as Empress, Lalandra is forced to accept this challenge, even though she thinks it's stupid, and the entire universe is uh, in the balance here. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and and Lalandra makes this case. She says, the Phoenix will consume galaxies. If we don't stop her, she'll end all of creation. Um, Yeah, it's... uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty dramatic, actually, because, you know, she's saying, like, oh, well, the Phoenix had to consume one solar system to feed or whatever before, but, like, once she gets used to that, she's just going to want more and more and more. Right. And I thought it was kind of funny that this is all being left to the Shi'ar to take care of. Now, the Shi'ar, they're, like, powerful space aliens. Yeah. But they're just, you know, they're nothing really special. They're just, like, humanoids 
like any other alien race. But they feel responsible for the phoenix, right? Because it yeah. was... It's tied in with the it crystal. It came from the Emkron crystal well, at the beginning of this uh, phoenix story, so... That's true. I think they're like guardians of the <laughs> phoenix in the same way that the phoenix is the guardian of... All creation. Everything, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's all true. But we were just reading some, like, badass new Silver Surfer comics... Um, I believe they're written by the combination of Slot and Allred. I don't know what their first names are because we just bought it when we were on vacation. Um, and, like, the Silver Surfer universe reminds you that there's many, like, super powerful cosmic beings out there, more powerful than the Shi'ar. Mm-hmm. Namely, the Silver Surfers one. Galactus, Nightmare, Eternity, the Never Queen. Like, all these, like, super insanely, like, ultra extra-dimensional powerful beings that yeah. might, like be able to tangle with the phoenix they really make earth and all of its superheroes seem minute yeah and it's like <laughs> insignificant yeah it, it seems like when if the fe- if a cosmic entity like the phoenix goes out of control then it shouldn't fall to the uh, a piddling uh, galactic civilization like the shiar to deal with it it might like be time for the silver surfer and company to step into action yeah. I mean, that, I mean that goes back to the comics too. It's like, why are the X Men dealing with this? I always wondered. Like, it seems like the Phoenix, you know, needs greater treatment here. Right. Well, Lalandra feels responsible, uh, though. I'm willing to accept that. Yeah, I'm willing to accept it too. I'm just saying, I read that we've read that Silver Surfer comic, and it's really cool. Yeah. Everyone should check it out. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so that's what's going on. So they all agree to a duel. The X Men get transported onto Lalandra's starship. There, um, Beast is quite surprised by it. Uh, as a storm and then like there's some back deal negotiating about the duel um where Lelandra goes and consults with the head of the Korean scroll empires who historically hate each other but here they agree to sort of cooperate and allow this duel to happen even though they both everyone kind of like admits to each other like we'll allow the duel to take place but uh the phoenix must be destroyed no matter what happens no matter what the outcome mm-hmm. so it's kind of like the stacks really decked uh stacked against the x-men there did, did i say the stacks are decked against the, the decks are stacked against the x-men <laughs> yeah um so it looks like a fairly hopeless cause and this is all like pretty close to the comic you know like this similar thing happens in the comic book too um and then like even this next sequence where the x-men all like start like practicing for this fight they're gonna have mm-hmm. um they go into like training mode and they all individually sort of express their doubts to each other about what you know if they're on the right side of history here <laughs> and um you know storm has doubts um beast has doubts uh, I like that uh, a rare mention of Storm's real name or Beast addresses her as Aurora. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen enough on this show. Yeah. Although, you know, I don't know. Storm's a really awesome nickname to have, but still, Aurora is also a really beautiful name. Really cool name, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, Gambit and Wolverine have doubt. Even Wolverine expresses a little bit of doubt, despite his unrequited love for Jean Grey. Yeah. Um,. And then, you know, it's just, like, kind of like a long preamble to the, the main event. Professor X and uh, Lalandra are communicating in their psychic love world that's normally so beautiful. But when the second the second he tries to ask Lalandra for help in this situation, she feels betrayed. And their bond that is deeper than love is immediately into question, called into question, and she gets pissed at Charles. And that's, like, a small, minor subplot of this episode that 
there's a growing rift between Charles and Lelandra here mm-hmm. because of her duties as empress. It just seems so weird because we don't see any evidence of them really like maintaining their relationship. Like they don't really see each other or communicate or like yeah. I think in the comics, Professor X goes on a very long sabbatical to spend time with Lelandra. That's cool. And that leads to a lot of... And that might have happened right after this Dark Phoenix saga in the comics. I'm not sure when the timeline actually is, but he disappears for a long-ass time. Oh, so maybe that's going to happen... Not in this show. Oh. Yeah, no. I didn't remember. Right. <laughs> you have to remember the ending. I mean, that would be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so no. Yeah, in the comics, their relationship's a little bit more... has a little more substance to it, but in this show, they only talk about it. Yeah, which, you know... I don't feel like this is such a bad thing, necessarily. Love doesn't mean that you always agree with each other, right? No, absolutely, yeah. It's part of, uh, you know, true love as well. Right. She's an empress. She's got, like... Uh, No, she's a magistrix. Right, yes. (laughs) Well, it's referred... She's referred to interchangeably between those two. I just think, is magistrix a real word? I don't think so. I don't want to look it up, but I'm just going to pretend it is. But I like the suffix of tricks, because uh-huh. the only other suffix I know that is tricks is dominatrix. What? Matrix. Oh, right. Matrix, too. So a dominatrix is like you're dominating the matrix we all live in? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to think about like, the real definition it, of the well, word. Well, no. I think the word is supposed to come from magistrate. No, mag- that's where they get the first part. Yeah. Majesty. Yeah. But then, the tr- why are you making? Why are you adding a tricks at the end? To I, make it spacey and cool. I thought they were just for kids, though. What's for kids? Tricks. Ha. <laughs> you don't like that joke? <laughs> <laughs> Sonia, not the biggest fan of my humor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> write that down in the record. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, though, you know, and Cyclops, too, also has doubts if he's doing the right thing. Uh, and he he really has the bond deeper than love here. We talked about that in previous episodes. Yeah. But, like, Cyclops is really in love with Jean Grey. Um, and that's good to see in this show that, you know, in the movies they kind of, like, didn't do a good job. They really shortchanged the relationship between Cyclops and uh, Jean. And they made it more about Wolverine and Jean in a weird way. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. Um, it, it, Cyclops and Jean are meant to be together, well, up to a certain point when she dies, like, many times, and he has to move on <laughs> many times. Um, but then Jean surprises Scott, and, and this is just like in the comics, she's wearing her, what she describes as her original X-Men uniform. Right. Which, um, you know, it's not really her original X-Men uniform. No, it's just one of the older incarnations. Right, yeah. The original one is that, like, blue and yellow number that's, like, from head to toe and covers up, like, the top part of her head like Batman. Yeah. And uh, and her red ponytail sticks out. Yeah. This one's, like, her short green Star Trek, classic Star Trek era mini dress. Yeah, this lime is the green. 60s era one. Right, with yellow, <laughs> like, rubber gloves. <laughs> and she's got, like, a butterfly-shaped mask over her face. Yeah. Which is a funny, like, throwback because none of the X-Men really wear masks now unless it's for a practical purpose. Right, yeah. Well, Actually, Wolverine, that's not true, yeah. He's Wolverine got one. Does. But, um, yeah, you're right. And uh, it's just, it's kind of, like, funny because, you know, thinking about the history of the comics, when Jean emerges as Phoenix uh, the first time, yeah. and she's in the green and yellow outfit, yeah. is the idea that she basically rearranged the, and this is her Marvel, her original Marvel Girl out- outfit, is she, did she rearrange the Marvel Girl outfit from the, that color scheme, or is it just a coincidence We'll never know. (laughs) So, yeah. So, I mean, we get to see Jean in her classic Marvel Girl outfit, which is kind of weird for them to introduce. Yeah. Because we've only known Jean in her weird, like, Jim Lee-era beige 
beige and navy blue skin tight outfit that's really unattractive. Yeah. So we don't know we the it's it, it's and this is something that's going to happen a little more in season three as we'll see is that they hint at like a a prehistory of the X Men they never show. But I like that. Oh yeah, I like it too. You know, oh, I like that they talk about it even because yeah. it's like a little bit of a, a nod. And I think actually they they contradict themselves later because I think they do show the X Men at some point. We're going to see in the Iceman episode in their blue and yellow original outfits. Yeah. So that, you know. It's just funny. It, like, almost makes it, like, brings it into the real world a little bit more, you know. Like, right. hey, remember when I used to wear this outfit? Like- right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what it does is it shows that this show, it show the, sh- the, the writers and producers are showing that the show is, it's always going to be a take on the comics. Yeah. It's like a, it's like, um, sort of like a best of. So they don't have to, like, adhere to their own continuity. They're just pulling from the comics in satisfying ways for, you know, artistic purposes. And that's mm-hmm. awesome. You yeah. know, that's why the show, I think, is unique and great. You know, they it's like they just do whatever they want. And, and the way they do it, it's not, like, an insult to the fans. It's very – it's kind of satisfying in its own way. Yeah. Um, because – and I think the reason for that is because, like, up to this point, there was no serious take on the Marvel Universe, anything, including Spider-Man. Right. Although that the new Spider-Man show took off a little bit after this one, but still, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. this is all the Marvel you were going to get at that point, and you're you know happy to see any facet of it. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so Jean's in her Marvel girl, girl uniform, um, and then she also has doubts too. So <laughs> this is the whole doubt section of the episode, and her doubts manifest where she like not only just tells Scott like, "Listen, I'm." the Dark Phoenix is in me and I can destroy the world. She projects a psychic link into his brain and shows him what the end of the world is going to look like. Yeah. Which is pretty nightmarish. She she shows, like, Paris being destroyed, New York, like, the Taj Mahal. (laughs) Um, And we also get that classic real-world image of fire engulfing our Uh, cartoon imagery. so funny. Yeah. I I like that touch as well. Uh, Because that shows kids this is, like, really dangerous. Yeah. It's not just, like, animated fire. It's, like, actual dangerous fire. Right? (laughs) Um, so then, uh, what happens next? Uh, oh, and then, so then Lelandra says, all right, we're going to fight now. You're going to fight my Shi'ar guard, uh, which we've seen in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're going to fight in the uncharted blue area of Earth's moon. Yes. Is this the dark side of the moon, do you think? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot going on on the moon in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. I, the Inhumans reside there, and then in... I don't think this has anything to do with the, the Inhumans. It might. Uh, comic nerd fans, please correct me in the Facebook group. Um, but, you know, we we see that it's like Beast comments that, oh, this moon, the moon was once inhabited. And Storm also, like, remarks, it has atmosphere and we can breathe. And that's, I guess, also to establish that her powers work on the moon. But still, it's like, and then we see on this, the uncharted blue section that there's, like, ancient moon people monuments and things. Ruins, yeah. Yeah, ruins, so... Uh, you know, a pretty cool like sci-fi lore going on here. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I don't know if it's connected to the Inhumans or not, but uh, just some magical like nonsense happening, much like the Savage Land in the South Pole, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, was this from a time when the dark side of the moon was not explored in real life? Well, I mean, the dark side of the moon has always been like a silly science fiction concept too, in any you know medium. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the dark side of the moon, and that uh, you know, this is just like a, another sci-fi reference to that. So, um, yeah. So they're on the. I don't know what makes this section the the blue area, 
But, all right, nonetheless. Um, so then uh, we head up into the the main uh, event here. It's the, the Shi'ar Guard versus the X-Men yet again, but this time on the moon. And it's a pretty, like, long and vicious fight. Um, you know, they're all, like, blasting each other and blowing things up. And it's kind of like... Uh, an archaeologist, a future space archaeologist's worst nightmare because the X-Men are just knocking over all these, like, ancient moon monuments. Yeah, really. That, you know, probably have untold wonders and things. Yeah. And they're just t- turning Smashing it into... Smashing them. Yeah. It's like, why do you guys have to fight in a historic zone? Couldn't you pick some other, like, more uninhabited part of the moon? <laughs> it's pretty barren. <laughs> like, I'm sure the Shi'ar have technology to create like some kind of atmosphere there so you could fight on it or just fight in some like big dumb arena yeah so but whatever so they're just you know they have there's no time to worry about the destruction of ancient moon monuments um and you know they, the X-Men they're getting all their one-liners in as they're fighting all these intriguing fights um I don't remember all the Shear Guard characters names just a few like uh uh, Gladiator and Starbolt and I thought it was funny though. At, like the beginning of the fight, Cyclops has some line. He he's like, "Now remember the plan. We split up into groups yeah. and and uh, what is it like wear them down one by one or <laughs> yeah. something." And I was yeah. like, "Isn't that always your plan? <laughs> like you've never had to express that out loud before. That's well, yeah. just what you guys do. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Cyclops is the master tactician of the team, but he only has one tactic. It seems. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, well, normally the X Men. You know, this is actually a real dangerous fight for the X-Men. Yeah. So, normally they just, like, wipe out wimps like the Blob and Avalanche, and, you know, but here it's like they have to be on their toes a bit more. You know, the show, as good as this show's characterization of Magneto is, Mm -hmm. they didn't do it enough justice because he's very quickly turned into, like, borderline good guy after the end of the first season. So they never, like, really have to fight Magneto in a traditional way again and he's their ultimate foe so it's like we don't see them like go against Magneto that much in the show like he'll come back a few times later but even still it's like in like a weird like shaky ground yeah but I think that's in the surface of them like introducing more of the villains from like throughout the 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 comic book history yeah that's true you know yeah and the show like even though the show is serialized it's not it's not serialized with a great like overarching cohesive narrative like I feel like if this show had like a greater cohesive narrative the plot the the subplot of Magneto versus the X-Men would be bigger I actually don't mind that and I think that like the movies really uh, honed in on that yeah the movies like yeah they ground it to death yeah Yeah. exactly and everyone's I mean yeah it's a great relationship and Magneto is a very complex character with a great history that's all true but I kind of appreciate that the this show has a little bit more of like a sampling so you can you yeah, get like yeah. a greater idea of the universe. <laughs> it's the great villains. Yeah. It's the great X Men sampler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I hope that when and I still feel like even in the movies we see Magneto a lot. His role is always kind of stupid and like shoehorned in a way. Uh-huh. He's not done. I, the the comic book Magneto is still the best Magneto in my opinion. Yeah, and I hope that when Disney reacquires the X Men. Uh, that they they redo the Magneto thing better because he's such a great villain and he like at his worst villainy uh-huh. he's so vicious and so deadly to the X Men. That's true, but they've shown that. Like I don't. Uh, I actually hope really. that like in the future movies they they don't like keep harping on him. I think they, they just they haven't done him right. Do All right. This is my complaint, and I, I get things. I get what you're saying. Right, they've shown him too much. <laughs> yeah. But like my problem with it is like 
he starts off as Ian McKellen, so he's a really old man. Mm-hmm. And in the first movie, he's actually a really awesome threat, right? Yeah. And the second movie is also a really good threat, although kind of like a side threat. Mm-hmm. Then they use him too much beyond that, so he gets way overused. Uh, Ian McKellen or Michael Fassbender, wh- right. take your pick. But still, it's like they, it's not like Prime Magneto. Like it's that's old mag, mag Magneto, and then it's young man Magneto, right? And it's not like the like silver haired, muscular, like snarling Magneto mm-hmm. that is like in the prime of his villainy, right? It's always, they're always showing him at like one extreme end of his life or the other, and like it's cool, but it's been done too much. It's like I want like prime, like you know, forty five year old Magneto with white hair that like can't be reasoned with yet kind of thing. I want, like, a much more satisfying arc of him. Mm -hmm. And um, I also, you know, and that's why it's, you know, despite the evilness of the corporatization of all this Disney Fox thing, it's like, the most satisfying thing we're going to get, we're going to get these villains back. We're going to get Magneto. We're going to get, like, Doctor Doom. Yeah. We're going to get these, like, great villains that exist in X-Men and Fantastic Four that they haven't been able to use yet in the MCU. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, that's exciting to me. I'd be okay with seeing that, but I want, like, Ten other movies to happen first, and then they return to Magneto. And That's, yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm totally fine with that. But like, <laughs> if we're gonna be picky, if we're just yeah, like yeah. ordering off the X Men menu, you know? <laughs> yeah, if we're gonna see Magneto, my only point about Magneto is if we're gonna see him, I want it to be like classic evil Magneto from the comics. I get that. Not reformed Magneto, not like the Magneto that trains the X Men in the X Mansion when Professor X disappears. You know what I mean? Not like yeah, yeah, like Holocaust survivor Magneto. Like, you want peak Magneto. Yeah, I want peak, like, demented Magneto. Got it. Well... I want the Magneto that rips out uh, Wolverine's adamantium skeleton in a painful manner. Right. Yeah. Gruesome. Yes, very gruesome. For this episode, though, I I really like the Shi'ar as a, as an adversary for the X-Men, though, because they are, like, really evenly matched. Yeah, yeah. And they're the space X-Men. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, no, they're an excellent adversary. The X-Men are, like, pretty much, like, defeated as this fight carries on. Yeah. There's a great... I love the fight between Rogue and Gladiator. Mm-hmm. She has a yeah, ridiculous awesome. line about... when she's fi- Actually, before that, she's fighting Starbolt. And she's like, you're as hot as a swamp bug on a hot skillet. It's <laughs> really stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's a bad one. She never, never has a stupid southern expression that probably doesn't exist. Uh-huh. Actually, I don't know. I don't know how true her southern drawlisms are, but... Um, do you like that catchphrase I just made? Southern drawlisms? Nope. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but then she's fighting Gladiator, and, like, she gets a really cool moment where she sort of knocks him around and, you know, tussles her hair a bit. Yeah. And that just makes you think they need they also need to get Rogue done correctly in the movies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, no offense to Anna Paquin. Like, she's been in other stuff that's been good, I guess. Right. I, I don't know. I don't think she was the right choice for Rogue, honestly. It's not even... Uh, right. She's not the right choice, and it's also not the right characterization. Yeah. They picked, like, the wimpy pre-Captain uh, or Ms. Marvel Rogue yeah. that doesn't have super strength in flying. Right. And, right. And Anna Paquin's too... Yeah, this, we did. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in the X-Men uh, movie review. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. I forgot for a minute. No, it's <laughs> it all always, came flooding yeah, not back. Ev- not everyone probably heard our discussion on movie Rogue, so yeah. we can mention again. So, you know, like, we thought both thought that Anna Paquin was too wimpy and mousy for Rogue. We need, like, uh, a, like a bombshell, like, superhero 
in the the classic rogue outfit that we right. love here. Again, it's like because of the timeline, though. It's because it's teenage rogue, and like what I really want to see is like twenty two year old rogue. Yeah, whatever she is in in this series, with like, like big mid twenties rogue yeah. with like a lot of attitude and like right. self confidence. Yeah, yeah, right. Flying around, punching things, yeah. friends with Storm, the whole deal. Yeah, we need good. Ro- She's a great character. She's a, one of the best, like most powerful female characters in the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. and it's just a shame. Yeah. You know, it's. Like, I don't even know what the current deal with Rogue in the comics is. Like, she's lost those powers and regained other ones, and hmm. she's got, like, a whole bunch of wacky new powers. Um, but whatever. The, to, I think to everyone that knows Rogue, this is the Rogue they know. Right. And this is where we should start from if we're going to put her in new Marvel movies, yeah. right? Okay. So, uh... <laughs> okay, that's settled. Well, anyway, uh, Rogue gets her butt kicked by Gladiator in the end. Um, he kind of drags her out of some rubble. Um, and then... You know, the X-Men are kind of getting defeated. Wolverine gets zapped by the, the magic cape lady that shoots her cape lightning at him. And, uh, you know, Storm and Gambit are being beaten around. Uh, and then it's up to Cyclops and Jean. They're kind of the last two heroes left. And Cyclops has a lot of crazy monologues in this episode. Yeah. He's feeling very emotional. So, I mean, it's just... it's They're borderline ridiculous, but they're very true to the character. He's so intense. So he, he grabs Jean right before they fight, and he says... Gene, there's so much. Uh, there's so much I feel. So much I haven't done. So much I want to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> and Jean has like a really corny response to that. She says, "With me, it's the thoughts that count, and your thoughts, like you, are beautiful." And then they kiss. And then they kiss. Yeah. And then they go fight. Yeah, Gene's really into Scott too. You know, he's yeah. he's a handsome hunk. Yeah, for well, her. they're yeah. in love. You know, yeah, they're in love. Yeah. And they're teamed up on this battlefield. Yeah, this so battlefield of love. The two of them have to, yeah, go out there holding hands and start fighting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they start fighting, and then you know they're kind of getting beat themselves, but Gene. You know, she can't really be beat because the phoenix inside of her. So when she's getting defeated, the phoenix wakes up and takes over. And uh, that's when things start going haywire. Um, She's turning evil again. Uh, Lelandra initiates Plan Omega, which is to just, like, say, screw this duel. duel, Let's just kill her right now. Well, like, Lelandra and the Shi'ar are kind of one fair and square. The X-Men, the rest of the X-Men are kind of, like, beaten, you right, know, yeah, they're, like, kind of yeah. laying around the battlefield, like, semi-conscious. Right. So. But the, the Phoenix is the one that's really won. Like, she can't be beaten. Right, right. but I'm just so saying, So the duel's it's not out like, the window. It's not, yeah. Well, no, that's the thing, is, yeah. like, the duel is finished, you know, like, yeah. the bet was that if the X-Men are defeated, Lilandra gets to defeat the Phoenix. Right, right? Yeah. So, like, it, you know, it's not like she's unfounded. The, the X-Men are defeated, but Phoenix is not defeated, though. Well, the Phoenix was not, like, fighting on the X-Men's side. The Phoenix was, like, Dormant, Right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's fine. So. Um, all right, so Plan Omega is initiated. Um, you know, and Cyclops actually... I'm uh, not Cyclops. Uh, Professor X agrees with the Lander that the Phoenix must be stopped. So he, you know, tells the X-Men to, like, wake up and, like, start fighting the Phoenix. And, you know, Beast blasts her with a gun. And there's other things. Like, Wolverine's about to stab her again, much like X-Men 3 at the end. But he can't do it. Yeah. Like, which makes more sense from a character point of view. Right. And Cyclops also can't. Well, actually... Cyclops does a, a, what he assumes is a finishing blow on Jean. He, like, blasts, a, like, a moon mountain, and it crumbles on, crushes her. And he's, like, he thinks he killed her. Which is, like, you know, get a clue, Cyclops. She's the Dark Phoenix. Like, <laughs> stones are not going to crush her. Right. And we've also established in this universe that uh, people being buried in rubble has very little effect on people's health. <laughs> yeah. Everyone seems to really just uh, survive, muscle being, their way out of there. <laughs> yeah. So, Phoenix, uh, no surprise, she blasts out of it. 
And then uh, there's another great line from Cyclops where he's super intense. Uh, good old Norm Spencer, the voice of Cyclops, really brought it. Um, <laughs> he says, Gene, fight it! Use the powers of your mind! <laughs> and I just like, I'm going to start shouting that at you now whenever you're like feeling down <laughs> in life. I'm just going to say, Sonia, use the powers of your mind! <laughs> you know, it might work, right? Don't they say that like people that have like really serious illnesses... Like, if they believe that they're going to get better, they're, like, scientifically proven yeah. to have, like, much better chances of getting better. You need extreme willpower. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's true with anything. If you're battling depression or anxiety, you need to, like, ultimately, whether you do it through meditation or exercise or what have you, you have to, like, summon enormous willpower to, you know, figure out a way to tell your mind to stop, like, tormenting itself. Right, so, yeah. yeah. No, I don't even mean just, yeah. like, anxiety and depression. Like, don't they have studies of like cancer patients oh yeah yeah that's yeah, yeah. True, right well you know? yeah right yeah. yeah you need to like summon like all the goodwill you can the psychic energy to to lift your spirits right right because yeah. that's you know your health and your mind are very tied together okay so that's like not a bad uh sentiment i know i'll, absolutely I'll accept not. that from you you can tell me to summon the powers of my mind I know. i'm just saying it's funny when cyclops <laughs> says it to somebody <laughs> it's kind of like that insane shia labeouf uh, Shia LaBeouf, whatever his name is, he like his motivational video he made a few years ago where he's just screaming at an audience in front of like a green screen. He's like, "Just do it! Whatever you want in life, you have to grab it and just do it." You wow, know? yeah, I missed that. yeah, no, it's totally insane. Um, yeah, so it, it's all, it, <laughs> why did he do that? Because he's a borderline nut job. Okay, um, but anyway, Gene you know, sort of regains her consciousness and she uses the sheer weapons to zap herself and. Um, Cyclops is like you know very sad about this obviously and um, he he says well Lilandra you've won um, you've got your justice the universe is safe and he's kind of real pissy about it but yeah the universe has been saved I mean I'm sorry Jean had to be sacrificed but you know yeah it's like why are you like the tone he's taking is kind of funny in yeah. that moment yeah right but whatever, you know, the day is saved. Everyone's sad about it. But then the phoenix uh, appears, the, the firebird. What not a surprise. Jean. Yeah, and she explains herself. She's like, sorry, uh, I lost myself a little bit once I discovered what you human, what you humans call emotion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all better now. I'm going to go back to being the guardian of creation. Goodbye. Yeah. And, we, and Cyclops is like, wait a second. Uh, <laughs> Jean's dead. Can't you revive her? And she's like, well, um, I'm going to need the flame of one of your lives to bring her back to life. But you will die. And they're like, and then Wolf- and Cyclops like volunteers right away. He's like, "Take me instead." Yeah. Wolverine's like, "Get out of the way, take yeah. me." He's like, "This isn't your game, bub. This is up to me." And it's actually Wolverine probably could have expressed himself better in that moment. He's like, "Listen, if they take my life force, I might actually come back to life because I'm kind of invincible myself." Oh, I thought it was like Wolverine's willing to sacrifice himself because Jean actually like really loves Scott. So like. Right, she's yeah, going to yeah. go on to live a happy life together Absolutely. with Scott. Whereas, like, if Scott sacrificed himself, <laughs> Gene might never recover from that, and like, probably no. wouldn't like love Wolverine anyway. No, that so. that's totally the reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wolverine's trying to be like more of the tragic love hero, right? And yeah, if he can't have Gene romantically, he's going to save her life and let her be happy with Cyclops, right? But I'm saying like, there's an argument like beyond that too, where like Wolverine might be like. You know, use I've got healing factors, so if you suck out my life force, it, my mind might flicker back to normal. Hmm. Anyway, but you're right; it's totally I don't know about, about no. You're right. Yeah, it's totally about being more noble. 
So they have a, a fight about like who's going to nobly kill themselves for right. Jean. And then uh, the Phoenix Force is like, all right, uh, whatever, stop fighting. Actually, all I need is just a little bit of life from each of you, and she'll be fine. <laughs> she's like, but you, you know, you're gonna, your flame will be slightly diminished. So the X Men have like five less years of their lives to look forward to. Actually, could we do the math here? Um, is it about years of life? I, I would say so. Oh, I thought it would be like their, she, she, their powers or like something. No, not their you know? powers. It's their it's their life force. Yeah. But. So you know, it's kind of like the reverse of in uh, the Princess Bride when he's put on that machine that kills him. Yeah. And there's like it says like five years, ten years, a hundred years. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. And uh, and he's tortured, you know, nearly to death, but he manages to be okay. Yeah. Um, it's not the reverse. It's the same, right? It is, yeah. It's yeah. like take, but that's just taking his life for nothing. Right here, they're sacrificing a bit of their life for someone else. Okay, so it's like maybe like how many X Men are there? Storm, uh, Rogue, Wolverine, Cyclops, w- Professor X, Gambit, Gambit, six, yeah. Beast, seven, Beast, yeah. So seven. So how many years does Jean need to to live a full healthy life? Like an ex- she's like, 50? let's say she's at thirty now, right? Yeah. yeah. So fifty divided by seven is what. Uh, like, you know, eight or nine. Okay. Yeah. So eight or nine each they have to sacrifice? Right. I don't know. I can't do math in my head like this while we're recording. <laughs> I'm not that smart. No, seven or eight, I guess, yeah. <laughs> hey, Google, what's 50 divided by seven? <laughs> the answer is approximately 7.143. Okay, did seven. you hear that? Yeah. 7.143. Thank, thanks, Google. <laughs> um, so, all right, so, they, so maybe they have to give about seven years of their life save Gene, probably well worth it. You know, those last seven years of anyone's life, if you live into senior age, not the best, presumably. Although, who knows, like, in the distant future, it could be a big sacrifice. All right, we've gone down a road here. Right, this is let's, stupid. Let's bring it back. Fine. You're right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the X-Men, they all join their hands, much like in many things we've seen, like Guardians of the Galaxy, like the hand-holding scene of life, right? You know. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the phoenix departs. Jean is saved. The X-Men are transported home magically from the moon back into the mansion. Lelandra leaves, and Professor X is sad. He's like, Lelandra, there's a part of your mind that's now closed off to me. You've never done this before. And she's like, well, as Empress, there will always be a part of me that's alone, Professor X. And Which doesn't make sense, because he just said that this has never happened before, and she's saying it's always been and going to be like this. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I know. Whatever. It, it, yeah, and all, yeah, so so much again for their bond deeper than love. Also, and why also, does she call herself Empress and everyone else calls her magistri- Magistrix? I mean, like you said, they just interchange, you know, she's super powerful. It's like, when you're that powerful, people call you your royal highness, your majesty, you know, your greatness, your dudeness, whatever it might be. (laughs) So, um, you know, their romance, uh, night's not so fulfilling. Um, Will we see Lelandra again? I'm not sure. I don't remember. Uh, (laughs) In the comics, you sure do. Um, So she's off in the distance, uh, and then uh, Cyclops puts Jean to bed. She falls asleep. She's had quite the adventure in the past few months. He pulls up a chair to sit next to her while she's sleeping. In his sweaty spandex. Just hanging out in spandex. Right, yeah, he's still covered in moon dust, presumably, and, you know, that he probably doesn't smell that good. He doesn't care. Uh, no, he doesn't care. He's not going to change. That's how Jean likes him anyway. She she lovingly calls him Cyclops, not Scott so much. So <laughs> she likes him as the action figure, not as the man, Scott Scummers. Uh, Scott Scummers, did I say? <laughs> Scott Summers. So, uh, yeah, so he's just going to, he can't even sleep. He's just going to sit by her side. Mm-hmm. So, but a happy ending, and though. that's where we leave them. Yeah. And, you know, in the comics, uh, it's much more tragic. Gene dies, and that's that's that. Yeah. <laughs> well, not really. Um, 
I mean, everyone can always come back to life in the comics. And she does so. at some point. Very, very controversially, because uh, Chris Claremont was not happy that they bought, brought Jean back to life for X Factor. Um, yeah. It turned out, you know, there's like the Phoenix made a double of Jean's body and like buried it in the ocean or something, and that the real the Jean we saw was some like clone, and then there's another clone of Jean like called Madeline Pryor that Scott dates and marries, and then he abandons her or something. It's like all totally insane, and then uh, you know, and then Jean dies again as the Phoenix, and then according to the news comic, she's been reborn again. And then there's also a younger version of Jean Grey from the past that gets sent to the future, and she also has to deal with being the Phoenix. It's totally insane. This show uh, makes things a lot simpler and easier. Yes. (laughs) So, um, uh, an excellent uh, ending to the Dark Phoenix saga, I must say. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. Um, Any uh, last thoughts on the Dark Phoenix saga here? Uh, Nope, I'm going to miss that Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) There's still a lot more of season three to go, another like five or six episodes. Right, This is the longest season of the show. Um, and a lot of I think and a lot, yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of really good episodes yet to come too. I'm very excited to mm-hmm. see. Uh, I again uh, to state to fans, we've purposely not looked ahead just to try to stay as surprised as possible. Um, you know, because it's best to keep all these memories of the show like jumbled and half forgotten, so that when we see them, we're kind of surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's the end of Dark Phoenix month. It's the start of a brand new year, 2018. Happy New Year! Happy New Year again to everybody. Uh, I look forward to uh, continuing the podcast with you, Sonia. Um, we're going to do some more special episodes this year. It's not just going to be straight episodes of the show. Um, we have some stuff planned. We just have to wait for the timing of special guests to arrive. Mm-hmm. And we'll go back into our special episode moments at times uh, with little to no warning. Unless you join the Facebook group known as the X-Men Task Podcast group. Um, uh, just uh, search us out on Facebook. We're easy to find. Ask to join. Uh, you can join. It's it's really a great group. Lots of friendly, super happy people. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to uh, welcome our newest member, Mandy, who joined and is already sharing uh, their special... Yeah, like, lots of great stuff. Great stuff. X-Men videos that uh, they've created and all sorts of things. So welcome aboard, Mandy. Um, uh, special shout-out to all our fans, though. We love you all. Um, you're very super nice. Uh, I love that the group, everyone's friendly and not no one's like being a troll and being stupid. And I like <laughs> to think that's like a special tribute to, uh, you know... I, I, I love doing the show because it's such a niche show for a niche audience. It's just like people in, our, in and around our age group for the most part that, you know, had the same life experiences, you know, and that get that why the show is worth yapping about all these years later. It's just a lot of fun. So, like, no one's, like, extra, you know, you're not getting, like, like lunatics who are fans, you know what I mean, that are, like, ready to, like, yell at people and argue and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, if we do have fans that are like that and that ends up happening, we'll see what happens, how we deal with them. But so far, everyone's been super nice and friendly and normal, so that's great. So join us on Facebook. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Willie Simpson. Uh, also follow X-Men Tass on Twitter. Uh, they are Eric and Julia Leewald. They are show's uh, writers. Um, they also have the book Previously on X-Men. Check that out. It's really cool. Um... Uh, also, is that all our plugs, typically? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, that's all our plugs. Uh, you know, oh, uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Give us five stars. That goes a long way to spreading the visibility of the show. Um, uh, so that's very exciting, too. And uh, our show continues to be very strong. And, um, again, we love you all. Yeah. So thanks, everyone. Yeah, so Happy New Year. Uh, that's all I have to say for uh, uh, this episode. Any last uh, New Year wishes you'd like to send? Um, no, not really. You know what I realized? As soon as we were finished recording last week, yeah. for some reason, a y'all slipped into whatever I was saying goodbye, I was like, see y'all later or something. <laughs> I was like, I'm not Southern in any way, and I'm not sure why that 
that happened. So today, the proper Brooklyn send-off mm-hmm. is see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> I can live with that. But you're not you're not worried that Rogue has like subtly influenced you in some way. Like, do you strongly uh, side with Rogue emotionally, or uh, you don't think it's a Rogue thing? It's just you were just a random y'all <laughs> hiccup. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> all right, we'll see you all later from Brooklyn. We out. <laughs> 